Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast, the place to learn field-tested, no BS tactics to growth hack your online business, and finally, live life on your own terms. Now, your host, Gael and Mark. Welcome to the final episode of the Undercover Success Series. If you've enjoyed this series so far, make sure that you sign up for the free webinar we're running this Sunday, Sunday the 8th of October. It'll be at 7 p.m. London or 2 p.m. New York. There'll be a bunch of tips and tricks that we're going to share there to help you start and grow uh, your authority site portfolio. So if you want to sign up, head on over to authorityhacker.com forward slash webinar. All right, guys, welcome back to the Undercover series with some very not undercover people because we're actually going to be <laughs> interviewing Mark and Perrin and I guess me a little bit for Tori Hacker in that episode. So it's kind of like a bonus episode, I guess, that doesn't really count as part of the series, but we don't really talk too much about ourselves in the podcast. So we try to like not talk too much about exactly how the businesses do, etc. So we're going to try to tell you a little bit of that and a little bit of what you've heard in the other interviews in today's podcast. So Mark and Perrin, how's it going? It's going good, thanks. Yeah, and I just wanted to add to that. I think there's probably quite a lot of people who maybe haven't listened to some of our older podcasts where we did discuss this stuff. So it's probably good to update some of those uh, new listeners as well. It's a more up-to-date version as well, I guess. Like this this stuff that we have figured out in recent months that we didn't before, etc. So if you've listened to previous ones, well, that gives you an update. If you haven't, well, that gives you a bit more of an idea of like what we do all day. So we're going to go run through similar questions that we have had our guests go through this week so that it's kind of fair. And so usually the first question like I asked in mine was like, how long have you been doing online marketing? So how long? So I guess I'll go first. It's been nine years for me. In 2008, I would say I dabbled. I think I first sort of learned about what affiliate marketing was and my mom bought me this book like the I think it was like the dummy's guide to affiliate marketing or something like that (laughs) and I I tried playing around a little bit of Google ads and stuff and learned a lot but didn't really make any money in 2009 uh, I'd say I got serious about it and I you know I quit my job to go traveling and do some other stuff but during that time, I spent a lot of time learning it and first heard, first sort of got an interest in SEO. And then in 2010, it was the first time I really made money with it, more than $100 at least, when Gail, you and I, we started a little agency trying to do SEO for people. And then 2011, so maybe six months after we started that, was the first time I'd say I was able to do this full time. That was the next question. Thanks for skipping Okay. <laughs> no problem. Very well for these podcasts, as you can see. Yeah. Perrin? For me, it's been uh, about four years now. So 2013, Perrin was fresh out of grad school, had a poetry degree, couldn't get a job anywhere, finally got a consulting job that he hated, and immediately started looking for ways to make my own money. A white and, poetry, by the way. Like, what happened here? Because I was good at it and I liked it. Okay. I still like poetry. You are but, very poetic, uh, Perrin. Uh, that's, you know, it's like the third time I heard that today. Perrin's so, next blog post is going to be all rhymes, just saying. Yeah. And Mark tells me I'm poetic all the time. It's it's only Mark that tells me. 
But yeah, so and by the way, it wasn't a, a degree worth paying for if you're out there thinking about it. But I did get it and I couldn't get a job anywhere. I finally got a job consulting and it was one of those quote unquote good jobs. And I absolutely hated it. I hated like sitting in a cubicle, et cetera. Started looking for ways to make my own money. And so I just started reading about basically everything. I, I started with books like Four Hour Work Week, Millionaire Fast Lane, lots of the like really famous literature. And through that, I feel like I kind of just latched onto some ideas and followed my nose until I eventually landed on like Pat Flynn's blog, Spencer Hawes' blog, you know, Quick Sprout, Backlinko, all this other stuff. And I wanted to see if I could try it. And I, tried and failed for probably a year or a year and a half. And then Spencer Hawes was hosting a contest to take on a student. And I ended up winning that contest and creating my first site that started making money late 2013. And then by 2014, it was making enough for me to have a full-time income. Okay. I think I started in 2010. And honestly, I wasn't headed that way at all. Like, you know, when I was younger, like, I was always playing video games and, like, you know, hacking my Windows computer or whatever. And, like, people were like, oh, you're going to work in computers and stuff. And I was like, no, I don't want to do it, etc. But then I went to study in Hong Kong in, like, 2007. And I liked living in Asia. So I wanted to just go back in Asia. And I had to do an internship for my last year of studies in, like, 2010. And so I decided, like, I wanted to go back to Asia to find an internship. So... I was literally ready to take any uh, any internship I could find. And that was like just after the financial crisis. So like internships were actually competitive to get, even unpaid. So I first started to try to go to Hong Kong. And literally, Hong Kong has been devastated by the crisis. So it was basically impossible to find an internship. Or very difficult when you were not there. So then I was like, oh, I'm going to expand the map a little bit. And eventually, I found an internship in a startup in Malaysia, and like when I applied, they were like, are you sure you want to do that? It's for like, they, they were like, oh, it's for local students normally. Like we don't pay, etc." I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll take it. I have to do an internship anyway. Perks of being French, I was getting quite decent money from the government as well. So I could afford to live okay there. Like not great, but okay. And yeah, that startup actually was a small SEO agency back then. And I spent my six months internship not understanding at all what I was doing. But since I didn't know a lot of people in Kuala Lumpur, what I did is I actually spent the little money I had to buy books and read about what I was doing all day. And that's how I got started in online marketing in 2010. And after that, like, and I wasn't meant to be an entrepreneur. Like, I just had friends that started an e-commerce site. And I was like, oh, I'm working in this agency. Can I help you out? So I helped him out. The site actually ended up making decent money. It was also his first time. I was like, wow, okay, you can make money from that stuff. Yeah, after that, I met Mark, quit my job, started the agency. And then as we had the agency together, we started Health Ambition, which I think we're going to talk a bit more about later. So, yeah, that's what happened, essentially. So, yeah, you didn't answer the question. Like, how long until you could do it full-time, Perrin? I started making actual money in late 2013, by 2014, the site was making enough for me to live on, but I've never been a person who puts all my eggs in one basket, so I didn't want to just live on my site. I wanted to reinvest money and have some savings and stuff, so I ended up working with Spencer Haas for a while, but with Spencer, I was building sites and stuff anyway, so those two things combined, it, you know, from when I started 
reading about internet marketing to when I was no longer at a quote unquote day job. It was probably two years, something mm-hmm. like that. Okay. And of course, you know, I don't want to scare people because part of the goal of this podcast is to like get people relatable stories. I think it's really important to remember that for all of us, we didn't have mentors to start, you know, like I was just like reading stuff and like trying like all kinds of wacky things to like try to get a little bit of money coming in. And for the longest time, that gap between $0 and $1 just seemed massive to me, but it was because I had no idea what I was doing. And knowing what I know now, it's a little bit easier to say like, okay, I want to do X project and I can go out and make a little bit of money. But I think for a lot of us, Five years ago, four years ago, ten years ago, it took us longer to start making money because the success rate was very low, right? It's like I mean, success rate, yeah. There was way fewer resources, an order of magnitude fewer resources than there are now. So it it wasn't like you could just go like read about whatever you wanted to do. A lot of us were figuring stuff out. Yeah, I mean, I think I I remember specifically back then, you know, googling things like what is SEO, how to do SEO. (laughs) And landing on these forums, uh, and from what I can tell now, looking back, it was also full of people that didn't really know what they were doing. And it was just really like a case of the blind leading the blind. We just got so much like horrible, horrible information on there, most of which I followed and inevitably led <laughs> me to continued failure. But yeah, I totally agree that like the lack of sort of support system where mentors like really like could have done it a lot faster it was less refined overall yeah. it was a, it was more of the wild west like to, today you can definitely see consolidation in that market i think and, as well like it's also it's also a saying like back then with seo specifically it was a lot more kind of spammy and yeah. even when we first started everyone was using like software and like article spinners and real like kind of dodgy spammy stuff and over time certainly in the last few years that's gotten I mean, some people still do it. Some people still make it work, but more or less it's become a bit more of an obscure thing and real good high quality content and and, and whatnot has become the name in town. Yeah, it's like you could go on some Facebook groups and they they tell you you're crazy for doing White Hat. That still does exist, but like, yeah, it's just safer. Like it's just so much more volatile. Before it was just the way you did SEO, right? Yeah, it's just like well, yeah. there was the white hats that would like the the quote unquote white hats that would just lie to people in conferences. I remember even like Will Reynolds from Seo uh, Interactive when I went to Moscow, like you know, doing a really good presentation on like white hat link building, and then tweeting like the day after, "Why do you make me lie to people, Google?" That was the state of the industry. Now it's it's actually true. So yeah. Now um, and there were people who did white hat. Like I remember when I wrote the Grapevine Protocol post for Authority Hacker. Eric Ward showed up and he was like, man, I've been doing this for like seven years. And so there like there were people who were doing like true white hat link building way before everybody else when we were just learning how to do black hat, gray hat link building. But there were usually like big brands with really high yeah. budgets because it's like they didn't have a link building problem. Before. There was no issue. Like they were already getting links. I mean, we did SEO for like some very famous like cooks you see on TV, etc. And like the site would get like 100 links a day. And the SEO was just like, oh, let's optimize the landing page for that keyword. And boom, ranks for like a 250,000 searches per month keyword. Like, yeah, it was that simple. So anyway, that's not the topic of the podcast. Today, we're actually going to zoom into kind of a site we've been working a lot on in the last few years and emulating it the same way we did the other interviews with other people and and kind of talk about them. So what sites are you guys going to talk about today? 
I am going to talk about healthambition.com. Health Ambition is a site that Gail and I have been running since January 2013. So it's a three and a half, three and three quarter year, something like that now. And it was our first real kind of authority site that was successful. The one we followed um, through is. The one we what, sorry? We followed through it. It's like we actually kept going for like, you know, we didn't give up quickly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Perrin? Yeah, and I'm going to be talking about one that you guys probably know about if you are following along with this week's podcast or the site because I blog a lot on the blog and I talk about it a lot, but it's herepup.com. So that's the one that I started working on in early 2015, and it was my biggest project so far in my career, and it's been my sole focus for two years, but... I'm getting ready to move on, so this is probably a good time to talk about it. Okay. Do you want to talk about that? I'm not really. Yeah, we can talk about it maybe later, maybe after we talk about the journey, because I think All it's right. a good end sure. to talk sure. about. It. Actually, that totally makes sense. So I'm actually going to talk about authorityhacker.com because we do run other sites. We have other sites. We don't make all of our sites public, mostly because, well, a lot of people copy our websites and we try to give, to keep some kind of competitive edge in the markets we're in. So in that case, I'm going to talk about Atari Hacker, which is a very different kind of site from Health Ambition and run in, in a completely different way. And I think there's some good lessons for any niche in there. So we're going to talk about that. But before we actually zoom into the website, I just want to know the numbers, like how many visits do the sites get like what are the growth rates like maybe year on year traffic growth that kind of stuff for these sites so can you guys give me a little bit of a snapshot of where we were at with these sites yeah so i've got the health ambition analytics since 2013 month by month up in front of me and it basically looks like four hockey sticks so it sort of starts off a little bit slow getting you know a few k visits per month then suddenly, we in July 2013 until August 2013, it went from 7K a month to 52K a month. And then basically since then, it has just gone like slowly increased. And then every January, it massively increases up until this year when we're averaging around about half a million unique visitors per month. The reason it goes up every January is because there's this like ongoing trend line in health. So everyone starts a New Year's resolution, wants to be healthy, Google's for like health stuff. And then slowly across throughout the year, they give it up. And then in December, everyone's just drinking and partying for Christmas. And then it's back to start in, in January again. So yeah, that's basically the, the numbers for health ambition. Cool. How about hair pub? Yeah. For here, pup, it gets between 200,000 and 300,000 visits per month. And currently, the revenue is right around fourteen dollars or $15,000 a month. There are no real big seasonal spikes with here, pup, mostly because everybody needs dog food no matter what time of year it is. But as we'll talk about later, I can't take credit for all of that growth. So, but right now, it's you know, between 200,000, 300,000, it makes right around 15K. Okay. Atari Hacker is getting 77,000 sessions per month from 44,000 users. So, you know, let's say 50,000 visits and people coming back a lot. So not that much really compared to, like, it's not that big of a site. Like people are like, oh, we've heard about it, etc. But like, I'm like, we're not that big. Average session time, like two minutes. Um, most importantly, 
the site is well it makes money from uh the courses we sell so we like we try to create content on the blog that people would pay for but we try to create content on the membership that nobody can pay for that's kind of a model and sites doing really well is growing 28 percent year on year for traffic so not that crazy and that's most likely due to the rate of publishing so if you check health ambition, for example, there's like a new post every day. But if you check authority hacker, there's like, if there's like two posts a month, it's amazing because they take so much work. I mean, like the last post we published on Amazon took like two, three weeks of writing, edition, yeah. etc. I mean, it was equal to about nine or 10 health ambition posts. Yeah. Probably. So like, it's, it's hard to like publish very frequently. To be frank, like these posts, they get a lot of links and we're kind of like still capitalizing on that, like building link equity, building, like building opportunities versus like getting an absolute, like going for, for just traffic at this point. But what is really interesting is that more than 10% of the traffic comes from email that around half of the visits are return visitors. And social does pretty well, even though we do absolutely no social media. Same with referral traffic. I'm looking at it right now. It's like 4,200 visits out of like basically 50,000. So like not very far from 10% as well. So it's, it's more of a site that built an audience that's like loyal versus a site that kind of like piggyback rides Google traffic. And as a result, the revenue per visitor is, is much higher. Like, even though the traffic is much lower than health ambition, for example, is it's actually higher in revenue at this point a little bit. So, yeah, it's just something that is definitely a different business model. What was my next question? So uh, maybe let's talk about that. I was, yeah. uh, I think it's a good place to talk about it. And I was, um, I, I'd written this question down, but I want to maybe plop it in there. What I think is interesting is just the the different business models for these three sites at the start. So it. Mark, correct me if I'm wrong, but when you started Health Ambition, you weren't doing an Amazon affiliate model, right? What was no. Health Ambition when you started? There was no business model whatsoever when we started. <laughs> the main goal of Health Ambition was, first and foremost, to figure this stuff out. So Gail and I had been running a marketing agency for a number of years, and we were sort of looking to move on from that. We weren't a big fan of clients, and we wanted to build something which would be an asset in which we could get compound growth. And more than anything, we just wanted to do real marketing without having any red tape and just try a bunch of cool stuff and play around with things. So we started Health Ambition purely on a whim, I think because it was January and we were probably had a few extra pounds in the, the holidays we wanted to lose. So that was maybe at the top of our mind. I can't really remember exactly. There was no kind of plan for monetization initially. All that we planned to do was to get traffic. So really, we just, we'd been talking about doing this for a while. We just wanted to get started. So it was like, we were both like, enough's enough. Let's just do it. Let's spend a week, pick a domain, get all sorted do a little bit of planning, and then just start producing content. So that's what we did. We published one post every single day. And I think for the first like month, we got like everybody got one other person to like it on Facebook every day or something stupid like that. Again, we had no plan, no framework, no structure. That's not the age what, what, what we were doing. <laughs> what we were doing here. We, yeah, we went through all of this pain and figuring stuff out so that we could kind of develop this model, which we which we now have. So yeah, it was really that month I mentioned at the end of the last question, where after I think it's six or seven months, we, we sort of had about 7k traffic, then the next month, it jumped to 52k. 
that was the point when we suddenly realized, oh, there's something here. We should probably start trying to monetize this. And so, yeah, it was only at that point that we started looking into things like the Amazon Associates program. And, oh, we uh, didn't. Initially, it Google was Ads. AdSense, I think. It, initially, it was failed Google miserably. AdSense. It failed miserably because the traffic was relatively low. But then towards the end of that year, we started doing Amazon. And then the following January, when the health kick started and everyone you know, started Googling for how to lose weight and get rid of their pounds they put on over the holidays or whatever, we certainly saw a significant uptake across all channels uh, at that point. It wasn't really until, I mean, and again, I put this down to pure dumb luck. That So that at the end of that, towards the start of that second year, a review post we wrote about the Venus Factor, which was a, it still is a ClickBank like weight loss program for women. That page started ranking and suddenly it started making like... Uh, 700 like bucks a day or something, yeah. Yeah, 500 bucks a day, 700 bucks a day, something like that, which was like, you know, by far the most any page on our site was making at that point. It was more than everything else combined, I think. And then, yeah, and then at that that point, it sort of became clear that okay, maybe there's something in this space, and we should we should explore explore that further. That continued to evolve. We started doing more reviews and and like monetized kind of content as opposed to content just designed to to gain traffic. And then interesting post also. Yeah, so two interesting things also happened that year. So the previous year, we were just like lighting a bunch of fires and see which one would would take. 99% of the content we wrote in the first year didn't do very well, and it completely failed. There was one post in particular, though, that Gail suggested we do. It was (laughs) how to stop farting. And I remember like as clear as day when he suggested we do that post. Yeah, Yeah. he suggested we do. I I had to solve my issues, you know. (laughs) Yeah. He suggested we do that post. I'm like, you're crazy. That's a terrible idea. That post is one of the most popular posts. Tens of thousands of dollars in ads and Amazon revenue. <laughs> there go the copycats. Like years. everyone, yeah. everyone makes a, a post on how to stop talking now. <laughs> yeah, I, we have so many links to that page, though. I don't think you. Can well, win. well, I feel better because we're slowing down global warming by doing that. So it's okay. Um, yeah that's a good point so what happened that's really so so yeah to to get back to the point and again this was something we we had some random juicing posts which started to get some traffic and because of the success of the venus factor affiliate program we started to look for other affiliate programs on clickbank we found a juicing one we put the those links and stuff in the our juicing posts and yeah, lo and behold the juicing that did really well we ranked number one for we don't right now but for juicing recipes for weight loss i think like then yeah and like so it was like the biggest content post we had i think yep so we started making some affiliate commission for that a significant amount and then we decided hey you know why don't we actually create our own juicing product this isn't too difficult so we did that. There's actually a detailed blog post on Authority Hacker about how we did that. And we turned product. it into authorityhacker.com slash product. Yep. How we turned it into like a two and a half K a month juicing funnel without really putting in very much work at all. And that was that kind of formed the basis for the business model for Authority Hacker for the considerable time after that. More recently, as the site's grown even more and more, we have done a lot more in terms of like Amazon associates recommending supplements and various items you can use around your home, which are linked to health. So yeah, 
that's that's kind of it. Yeah. K-pop was quite a bit more straightforward than that, <laughs> and it was mostly because. When I started here, Pup, I had already had a site that was doing well and then was slapped in the sort of wave of PBN manual penalties that were going around in like 2014. So when I started here, Pup, I knew it was going to be an Amazon site and I was optimizing for that from the very beginning. I built it, you know, targeting Amazon keywords and setting up or recommending products that I could recommend on Amazon. And I did mess with ads, I think, for the first year. But primarily, even now, even though there are ads on the site, it's just an affiliate business model. It's an 80% affiliate business model at this point. So it does okay on ads, but the affiliate programs just make so much more. And it's primarily dog products, obviously, but there are a few different affiliate programs that it's involved with now. But business model-wise, it was built from the ground up to be an affiliate site and that's what it still is today yeah uh, i mean definitely health submission was a lot more chaotic by the way that how to stop farting post has had over half a million visitors already just that post uh, wow. so, so yeah a lot of people have that issue but it says you can't change the world with internet exactly, marketing i'm telling you like uh, the amount of like uh, carbon dioxide that we've saved the planet from is crazy you know yeah. uh, anyway atari hacker i really liked Matthew Woodward's back then. I, it was the one guy I followed. And really, the reason I liked it is because like he wasn't afraid of like making a screencast video, opening the tool and be like, oh, this is how you do this, etc. And he actually did a tutorial series on tiered link building, I remember back then. I found that was really cool. And overall, I felt like, the, like there was two sides to internet marketing. There was one side that was the white hat people that always talked about theory, but never really, really practical in a way. Like they never told you how to do things. And then you had the gray hat people that were way more practical and actually more interesting in terms of content, but were breaking the terms of service. So it was like, why don't we do something that is in between? Essentially, like taking the practical side of the gray hat, taking the white hat side of the white hat guys. And also I was really into online marketing tools. Like I always spent a lot of my money in like buying tools even if i didn't need them etc like just i don't know for some reason i like it it's kind of weird some people collection collect uh you know like snowballs etc i collect my online marketing tools so i was like well and these things have decent commissions so i was like well if i can make tutorials that people can follow and then they click on the links and it makes us money i guess that's a decent business and that's also that was at the time as well we were like less interesting in running the agency but I was still looking for a way to monetize my online marketing knowledge and essentially that's how we started Atari Hackers so that's why the courses the membership all that stuff that didn't exist initially but then what happened is like well you know I did some posts and they did okay and we were getting some traffic and some opt-ins as well I was like I was starting to play with like email lists etc back then and so what I did is on the on thank you page, what I, I built a fake sales page saying, hey, you, do you want to learn? Like I was really playing a lot with opt-ins at this point. Like, do you want to learn how I build my opt-in pop-ups that get 10% opt-in rate? That was my stats. I was showing my stuff, et cetera. And like really a sales page I wrote in two hours. And I wanted to see if people click buy. When you click buy, it said, well, the product is not there yet. We'll ping you when it's ready. And a bunch of people clicked on that button. So I recorded like seven videos and like packaged it just on like private pages on uh, on WordPress. And at the time we had Entreport, so I was able to make like a mini member area. 
And I sold that for $19. And like, then saw what happened. And then like quickly, like we were making one or two sales a day from that. And that, that was like, I feel it was like, it worked with email initially on Anthology Hacker, on blog posts, on tutorial. It was not as great, actually. Like, it works for reviews, but on tutorials, it doesn't make a ton of money. It makes a little bit. And it's funny when people actually criticize us for doing that because really, it's not a lot of money. I can take the money, the links off. I don't mind. But anyway, so one or two sales a day, then we're like, oh, okay. And then I talked to these members and like, oh, that was great. The pop-ups were like, you know, it's so tiny. I want to know how about how to do this, how to do this, how to do this, etc. So eventually we decided to take a lot of stuff that we had been doing on health submission for over two years at that point, like a lot of the processes we had, et cetera, and kind of like document them in a more strict way. To be frank, in a lot of ways, when I had to document them and to structure it, it actually helped us also improve some processes. So like sometimes that's why some blueprints would take ages because I'd be like, oh, like uh, let's take the editorial process. Then I looked at our editorial process, I'm like, you know what, I think we can still do that better. So then I would redo our editorial process, run it for a while, then do the blueprint. So creating the base of HPro from there took us like, I don't know, like four or five months easily, just going back and forth and kind of redoing that stuff, et cetera. But I'm pretty happy in the way we built it because it was modular. So it was, a, it was built as a member area that can be updated and there's more and more content. And well, today we have over 300 videos in HPro actually. So that's been the evolution of that. And that's how we got to where we are right now. So we make some money from affiliate. And since I still love tools and Lewis is really good at writing reviews as well. Like, I mean, we talk a lot when he writes them, but he's really good at it. And so we're still going through that. And it's part of our DNA. It's not just for the, it's like, it's really something that I like. It's not just for the money. Uh, obviously, it's great to make money, but like, I, I've always been into that. And then second is like actually building advanced processes, documenting them. And also more or less, like it, it also forces me to, really optimize our process for the other side so it's kind of like a win-win for everyone we make money the people that uh, follow our processes make more money and at the same time you know we actually optimize our other sites so yeah that's basically authority hacker and how it came to be and how the business model came to be i just wanted to ask you guys like i mean i guess how long have you been running here parent because that's the only person that hasn't said it i think since 2015. I started that January 10th, yeah. 2015. So I think a little over two years ago. Yeah. Okay. Atoria is around three years old as well. So I guess to get even more tactical, like from the beginning to where you, where the sites are now, like if you had to pick one tactic that took the site to where it's at today, what would it be? I would say keyword research. I think HearPup, when I built HearPup, I was terrible at building links. I was literally, I did not know how to build white hat links. The first white hat links I ever built really were on HearPup.com. So I didn't know how to do it. And I think for the first, I don't know, 10 or 11 months, the site only had like 15 links or something. So what really took that site into profitability and like full-time income status was really good keyword research and finding the really low competition the, stuff finding really low competition stuff finding stuff that i could niche down on and that would still make me money so 
that's one of the things I like about Here Pup is that like it allowed me to learn all of these other great tactics that I feel like I'm really good at now. But when I started it, this is way before I was at Authority Hacker. When I started it, you know, I'd been doing just PBNs and gray hat stuff for most of my internet marketing quote unquote career. So for Here Pup, I didn't know how to do any, any of that stuff except for keyword research, but I just did really good keyword research. Yeah, I mean, I agree. If you look at the case study side for the authority side system, like the rankings are amazing and we haven't done link building for it yet. <laughs> so yeah, good keyword research definitely does well. I mean, I see people in the authority side system group like, wow, this side is ranking for this and this. And then you check the linking domains and there's like 12 root domains as well. So yeah, really good keyword research, definitely a big one. How about health ambition? I'd take a more recent example and say that link building or more precisely like optimizing and scaling link building in a white hat way has made the most amount of difference. It's really, I mean, it takes a while to kick in. I wish we'd started it sooner, but it really has made a difference in terms of new content we publish tends to rank very, very quickly now. And so we can kind of increase the amount of content we're putting out and instantly sort of see an ROI off off of that. The way in which we scaled link building is we took one tactic. It's like a variation of Brian Dean's skyscraper outreach or skyscraper link building. And we optimized um, the crap out of it. Yeah, but I mean, so much so that it's something completely different now, and we, we even call it something else inside AH Pro. But we call it Shotgun Skyscraper, I say in the other interviews. So, okay, secrets <laughs> out now. Go Google it. No, we spent a lot of time just picking one part of the process and like really just trying to optimize it, you know, how to shave a few seconds here or there off of everything, and then doing that over a whole year adding a bunch of automation we have like spreadsheets and macros and some really cool cool stuff going on now it's enabled sort of one person to do what we at one point expected about nine people to do full-time and yeah we just build a crap load of links uh really quickly and it's been a while since i've actually costed it out it used to price out at about eight dollars a link i'm sure it's less than half of that now these are like legitimate real white hat links on real sites that have traffic. And yeah, they're not good looking PBNs, they're real sites. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like if you look on uh, Ahrefs actually, like we built over 2,000 link root domains to Health Ambition this year. And that's with like one part-time person. Yeah. So yeah, I think we've done all right on that, in that area. I know a lot of people in Ahrefs that just couldn't get themselves to build links. It just felt like you were throwing hours at it to get like two links to your site, you know? And it, it's hard to build a motivation for that, but like since they've learned these ways, it's like I see so many people building links now. It's like finally it's rehabilitated in the sense that it feels like it's valuable because otherwise it just takes too much time. Okay, for Atari Hiker, I've kind of hesitated. I mean, if you talk about pure revenue for us, I would say mastering funnels, like learning how to build funnels and like also like evergreen funnels. And obviously that goes with like building an email list, doing all that stuff, but like, it's really powerful and it's, it's great to own it over promoting an affiliate offer in the sense that you really get to keep your tone of voice. I mean, essentially, like most people know it, this podcast is part of the funnel before we're launching Atari Hacker Pro. And it's not like a cookie cutter piece of content that was given to us. I'm literally just talking to a microphone and telling what I want to the audience and connecting. And I found that really powerful to to learn that, to learn also just selling to people in general. 
through that, we've done it on health emission as well, but I've found it really powerful. I've really, before when we didn't have that, and, and that started with that thank you page with that $20 product, and I just evolved. So one thing that funnels are scary for people, essentially. And uh, today's there are tools, these tools where you can like build drag and drop pages and it's, it's very easy, et cetera. That didn't necessarily exist when we started, but it's pretty scary. But like, as I said earlier, it started with like a thank you page that essentially was very short sales page and a click. And I think it was people were paying with just like a PayPal button back then. And then every couple of weeks, we just like tweaked it and maybe added a page, maybe changed the sales page, got a new shopping cart, added an affiliate platform, changed the membership area, like just just like kept reading about it, kept optimizing, etc. And that just like keeping pushing that has taken the site to much higher levels of revenue because we were able to increase the revenue per visitor essentially so yeah funnels evergreen funnels and actually in hpro like i i break down one of the evergreen funnels we have so if you are in our email list and you have opted in, in the last two three months you've probably seen it but like when you opt in we invite you to a webinar we've done with Perrin. it is an evergreen webinar but the we make a special offer for the authority site system which is a, a discount I think uh, you pay 599 instead of six hundred nine uh, hundred seven. But if you miss the deadline, actually, it properly closes. And you can sign up with another email address. It's not going to work. It's literally going to send you an email saying, hey, you already registered. Or you're going to click it. It's not going to work, essentially. You're locked out for like a while before you can actually get that offer. And being able to build these complex funnels where you know you're using really powerful influence principles like scarcity and stuff and at the same time being true to your word because a lot of marketers you know they say oh it's a limited time but really it's an autoresponder and the link is going to work forever that's 99 percent of marketers learning how to do that was really powerful because it maintained trusts and at the same time it used these these really powerful sales tools essentially so yeah learning how to build funnels i like it it's tiring it's difficult but it's also extremely rewarding when it works. So let's jump to the next question. If you guys had to start over the site you worked on, what would you do differently? I would love to answer that question for our submission, but go for it. <laughs> Monetize from day one, build links from day one, and have a much better site structure yes. slash <laughs> research at the start. The reason why health ambition is so difficult to work on for us these days is because the way it's structured, the way it's organized is it hasn't really changed too much. We've just sort of pat, like piled on more content. But yeah, compared to some of the new sites we've been starting recently, and especially compared to the demo site we built for the authority site system, it's night and day when it yeah. comes to the uh, you know how easy it is to change things and work on just because of the that structure. And you know we have. 500 odd maybe even a thousand i don't even know articles, oh, on, on articles now. Now. and so you know changing all of those moving them around recategorizing them is, and changing all the links is just like crazy so yeah that's that's definitely what i would do differently i, I would equally say build links from day one or much earlier on there's no reason we should why we sh we waited we should not have waited two years or a year and a half, however long it was, to start doing that. It takes a while for link building to kick in. And yeah, to think where we'd be if we had an extra year and a half was is, is pretty interesting. So yeah. Yeah. How about pairing? 
It's uh, kind of an interesting question for me because I have like experienced here pup and then I've taken a lot of the money I've made from here pup and invested it in a new site and I went a little bit bigger and broader. I think if I were going to do it all over again, I would do it very similarly to here pup actually. I would be niching down and finding like a narrow subtopic within a niche to write about to start so that I had, you know, high relevance. And I would monetize it the same way, probably with Amazon or a similar affiliate program. Mostly the thing that I would change is just the new skills that I've added. So rather than like building 15 links and then saying like, okay, whew, links building is done. I can forget about that now. I would be, and this is what I do on my new sites anyway, I would be building lots of links from day one. So I would have a system set up. I would have topics I could write about that would serve as good linkable assets. And I'd be doing a lot more link building from day one. The other thing probably too that I've been thinking a lot about as I've been starting new sites is product ideas. So I've been doing this series of podcasts with with other guests for Authority Hacker. You know, interviewing people who make lots and lots of money, many of them into the seven figures with single blogs. And one of the trends is a lot of the people who make really huge money have their own products, and sometimes they're not all that complicated. So one of the things I've been thinking about when I start my sites now is what sort of products can I create, how can I plan to create them, and what sort of marketing and like entry point schemes or funnels can I build from the beginning to start getting people to potentially buy a product when it's ready. Because the reality is that SEO is a little bit harder than it was, you know, two or three or four years ago. And as it gets more difficult, I think monetization will become more important, getting more dollars out of every visitor you have. So I think it's important to think about now. But to start, it would look really similar to Hearpup, I think. Okay, so basically you made it perfect right away. <laughs> Apart from the links, but yeah, I mean, the reason why we care so much about links, I think, is because kind of like your domain authority slash domain rating, depending on which tool you use, is something you can always rely on. Like, if if all goes to shit, we can always go back to Health Ambition and just publish content and rely on all these links we've built now. Like... Even if like tomorrow we couldn't afford to do it anymore, or everything goes to shit. I don't know what happens, but all I know is because of the domain authority we've built and similar to Authority Hacker, even though we haven't been building for very long at this point, it's got decent domain ratings as domain authority. Like I know now we can publish stuff, rank for it and essentially monetize, which is a, it's kind of like your insurance policy with your domain, with your business in general, it's like, well, if whatever I have now doesn't work anymore, and that can happen. The world like the world changes faster than mine. You can rely on that. And that's why when you start a new site, it's very important to get to that point where you can rely on it as soon as possible. Initially, it costs you more than it brings, but eventually it brings you more than it costs. Kind of like a saving account, essentially. For Tori Hacker, though, if we had to start over... It is a hard question. I would probably start the podcast at the beginning. I would probably not register it as a Hungarian iTunes account because that really kills our rankings. But that is my problem. But in terms of what is useful for people, I think I would have 
first of all, I will have a strategy. If you look at the first blog post, there was no planning. There was no content templates. There was none of that. It was just like, what do I feel like writing about today? I didn't even do keyword research initially. I was like, you know what? I'm too good for keyword research. It turns out I'm not. But, you know, like if you look at the different types of posts, there is on the Tori Hacker these days, there's podcasts like this one and like the one you get every week. There is the massive guys like the one we've released on the Amazon Associates that we've just released uh, like last week. And there is the review stuff. And then there will be like, there's also like shorter posts that are not going to the blog feed. Like, for example, we have reviewed a bunch of affiliate niches and done some research, etc. And these ones don't go to main blog feed, but they are published as well. And just like organizing all of that and giving your role to each thing. So, for example, the podcast is here for engagement. So if you're listening to a podcast, probably you've been on Atari Hacker before. Probably you've read a blog post before and you've liked it and now you're listening to a podcast. The big guys, they're here for brand awareness. They are big sharing shareable rather pieces of content that people will talk about so we hope that when people talk about you know optimizing the amazon associates program the piece that we've created will be shared and that's also building links for us because when people share it on our websites essentially building links the smaller pieces are here to catch long tail traffic so when we find like very low competition keywords in the niche and we find that it's kind of related to what we do boom we just create like 1000 word piece of content it doesn't land on the main blog feed because the main blog feed also plays a role in engagement, but we get to capture some long tail traffic and that essentially allows us to make a, put a pop up in front of people, get people on our email list, get people into our funnels. And then the reviews, they're here for one, direct monetization, two, because it's the DNA of the website. We said we love tools and, and I'm not going to go away from it because I think there's not a lot of people talking in depth about tools and I like it. And yeah, I think it's, it adds a layer of passive income to that site, which makes me feel good about working on it. I like, it's like the all the, the active funnels, etc. is a lot of work, but I like that the, the site also grows a passive side to it. So yeah, having that plan, taking more time to plan, taking more time to build the site structure as well, because it's not very nice right now. And it's hard to fix because a lot of these URLs are ranking in Google and so on, and changing the URL is always a risk. Is it worth it right now? I'm not sure. When we brand, maybe. So... Yeah, that's what I would change, essentially. The next question, actually, is what do you regret about the site you worked on? Mark, Perrin? Oh, wait, changing order again? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> what do I regret? Nothing, really, because everything we did allowed us to figure stuff out. And for almost all of those things we've messed up, we've learned from that and then either avoided doing something wrong or figured out how to do something right for all of our other sites. So there isn't really anything from that perspective. From my own, like just the stuff I was working on, there was a point when we had like a 2,500 bucks a month funnel with like a nice little ebook and stuff set up. And we had these grand plans to grow that and launch a membership site, like a membership product on Health Ambition. And there was quite a lot of moving parts. There was three different, or well, four different products technically. And we we're trying to do all sorts of stuff at the same time. And then it just didn't work. It was like, it was too big of a project we took on at that, at that point in time. So I wasted like two, three months of time in trying to build this. And then it didn't actually generate like much at all in terms of return. So yeah, that's probably my biggest regret. Okay. Perrin? Aside from 
sharing my site in a public case study. <laughs> hey, you did it on, you did it on Backlinko before you did it on Authority Hacker. That's what Just I mean. <laughs> That's what I mean. I I do not regret sharing it on Authority Hacker. I think people have gotten a lot out of it. Backlink, oh my god. So what happens? Copycats. But what happens? That's it. It's a we already have a podcast of copycats, and if I start talking about well, it, well, like just take two I'll minutes. Just, I'm gonna time you. Yeah. Okay. So basically, I wanted a link, and I knew Brian Dean a little bit, and I had just tried an infographic tactic he wrote about, and it got me those 15 sweet sweet links at the beginning, and so I was like shot him an email. I was like, hey, man, this is a really good tactic. I appreciate it. And he was like, do you want to do a case study for my blog in typical Brian Dean fashion? Because that's kind of his MO is he he uses other people's case studies on his blog. Which is uh, interesting, and, I think. I like, I like that he uses other people as well. Like it varies it. Yeah. And it gives you something tangible to learn. Yeah. And so I published a case study and gave him my screenshots and stuff. And then immediately I just had, I don't know, at least a handful of copycats. And over the next two years, it got like really bad. There are hundreds of copycats now. And it didn't matter in the long run for me and my earnings and my revenue, but it was a huge source of stress. So for all my sites in the future, I basically am going to keep them a secret. But I also regret not putting more energy into link building. I regret not doing a good trademark search at the beginning. It's so, so, so simple to do. And it's something that got me into a little bit of legal trouble and it caused me a lot of headache. And it cost me a really good business opportunity with a company who has a great affiliate program. So it was a small detail that I really could have got right at the beginning. I probably regret not investing a little bit more money up front. I could have made a little bit more money sooner, I think. Yeah, so there are some regrets. Some of them are were easy to avoid some of them probably are just a result of me not having skills yet yeah i think that's the thing it's like it's the same for authority hacker i just feel like i have a lot of regrets right now but i had no idea i didn't know better back then like i feel like we should have invested in it more we should have invested earlier we should have done the podcast the first time because actually that's the second iteration of the podcast we kind of messed it up initially also at some point we had like a free facebook group and it turned out like i wasn't really engaging it the truth is i'm pretty introvert in real life and so like i'm not the guy that's like posting super hypey messages on the facebook group i tend to reply to questions but i'm not that crazy like it was hard like i don't i'm not a guru basically far from it and i don't intend to be and so like animating a, a social media facebook group was not my strength it works with authority hacker pro because it's essentially animated by the by the members and like i jump into discussions and i like that but like actually being the invest instigator of these things was not my forte and so that wasn't very good the podcast yeah huge mess up initially like you couldn't even find it on itunes uh, because i didn't set up the rss feed correctly etc so and and i spent like a week just researching how to redo it. We had to delete everything, re-upload. It was a mess. We've essentially wasted a year on the growth of the podcast. Terrible. My regret is that our YouTube channel is a joke in terms of optimization as well. Most videos don't even have a description. They're not optimized for keywords. They don't have tags. Um, so that is definitely something we need to work on at some point because, well, that YouTube channel has half a million views already <laughs> and uh, we haven't optimized that yet. Yeah, I think that's it. But I mean, overall, despite all these regrets, I'm very happy with 
you know, how it's going and how well we've done so far and everything we've achieved. I mean, building Atari Hacker Pro is definitely an achievement. Like, I, I would compare it to, like, writing a book or two, you know? Yeah, huge source of pride for me. So despite the regrets, I am pretty happy. And actually, that's the next question. So I answered it. What is your biggest pride about the site? And what do you like the least as well? What do you like the least? And what is your biggest pride? What am I most proud of? I mean, it's super geeky, but it's not like some grand achievement or anything. It's the little things that like gaining 1% efficiency by building a spreadsheet, which automatically generates series of URLs and saves us 10 minutes every day in link building. It might not sound like much, but if you change your thinking from how many minutes a day to how many minutes a year, like to give you guys an idea, what do you think 10 minutes per day is over a year? Well, 365 days, 10 minutes, 3,650, one hour, 60. So something like 3,000. So that's already like 175 hours, 150 hours. Give or take, I'm talking about uh, maybe not every day if you're working weekends. Yeah, okay, it's, fine. It's over, it's over a week of work. So yeah, if you can yeah. save 10 minutes a day off of a process you're doing, that's five and a half days, five and a half work days of time you've saved per year. And if you have multiple team members doing the same thing, then you know just it just goes exponentially crazy. So we made a I guess like a, a lot of mistakes with our previous business by you know growing too quickly in terms of recruiting people when we could have just optimized processes better. So it's actually the thing I enjoy the most is process optimization. Yeah. Um, at this point. Doing so much better this time than last time. <laughs> in ter- what was the other question? Like, what do you enjoy the least? Yeah. Or what do you least well, enjoy? Yeah. There's nothing I really dislike. I, I guess I would say like customer support. That's why we have that's someone fine, else, I guess. Because we have someone that does that. So... It's great. <laughs> uh, parent? By the way, that's 60 hours. So I was a bit off. <laughs> that's like one game of Civilization. Pretty much. So <laughs> with Pup, I was proud of a lot of the design stuff I did. You know, Pup isn't like the most beautiful site, but if you look at the first version way back when it was named something different and it was just on like the standard focus blog... I came a pretty long way in like just overall design look and feel and I learned some CSS and I learned how to build better home pages and things like that. And a lot of that also has to do with or kind of feeds into the post structure, which when I first started here, people were doing like huge best survival knife HQ Spencer Haas style guides on like key money posts but i came up with a post structure that i feel like is more or less universally emulated now for amazon sites which i'm proud of and i think works really well and is highly profitable while still like keeping good user experience so i'm really proud of all the design stuff and i'm also proud of the systems i set up so like i set up a good content system and Develop some really good relationships. Basically, I went from someone who was building niche sites by himself to someone who was treating his sites as more of a business. Yeah, I'm, I'm proud of all that stuff. Cool. What's the future looking like? So the way I like to think of it quite often is imagine what you're doing right now or imagine how much money you're making right now and then imagine 10xing that and then asking myself the question, what would it take to 10x that? 
and so those are the kind of problems I like working on, like uh, how to how to scale something, how to do more of it more efficiently and more effectively. And, and not with so, ten times more people usually. Exactly. So there are certain things which you know, content writing, for example, it's difficult to 10x that without significantly increasing your writing team. But in general, I think the future for health ambition is just really to go crazy on scaling it further. This year, we've been honing our processes down. We've been, especially with like content production and link building, it's gotten really good at, at doing that efficiently. And it's we're starting to sort of turn the dial up slowly, growing the team so that we can pump out more content, build more links, and then basically keep doing what we're doing and and grow it. One of the ways we want to do that is by going into um, slightly different sub niches. So we mentioned we have like quite a lot of juicing content. More recently, we've done a lot of content around supplements, like vitamins and things like this. And then probably in the near future, we're going to be focused a little bit more on home gym equipment and working out and that kind of stuff as well. So that just opens up a, a whole host of other keywords and subtopics that we can we can get into. And yeah, as I guess as part of that, that's probably the next blueprint that's coming out, I think, for Authority Hacker Pro is around this topic, actually, new, Building new content hubs. hubs. Yeah. So basically, our plan is to, to build new, build more, like nine new hubs for Authority Hacker and see what happens. For health ambition. For health ambition, that's the one, yeah. Yeah, so I guess it's as good a time as any. A lot of yeah. people know this already, but HearPup is, uh, at the time that you are listening to this podcast, HearPup will be 100% sold. So I sold a portion of it, and then I let the buyers grow it a little bit, and then I sold the remaining portion to them after they had grown it. So I can't, by contract and like legally, disclose the terms of the sale. But it's helped me personally make pretty healthy six figures over the last couple of years and it's allowed me to pay off my student loans and I've got capital to invest in some new projects. So I've already got a new site that I've been working on. I started in January and that has 400 something articles or whatever. It's a highly seasonal site. So it was growing up until like August and then it's kind of dipped down into seasonality and it's been flat for a while. So we'll see what happens in January. And then I've got some ideas for some partnerships on some sites where I can contribute capital or expertise and then let other people do so some you're, of the You're work. the investor guy now. I'm the investor guy. <laughs> All right. Yeah. And, I'm, and I'm doing some work. And honestly, over the last year or so, Authority Hackers become a lot bigger part of my life. Yeah. You know, like our team is growing and our products are growing. We become a lot closer as a community. We met up in Budapest and all hung out and had a good time. So it's really easy and fun for me to put a lot of energy into Authority Hacker also. And so that's that'll be a big part of the next, I don't know, 40 years for me, 50 years. <laughs> when do we retire, guys? I retired probably like 35 years or something. Okay, yeah. So, All right. that, hey, they, the socialism in France, you know, they retire young. So that's like yeah, 65. Yeah. It's not that. It's not that young. <laughs> it's like actually, yeah. you know, in France, people comp- uh, protest because they retire at 60. You know, it's still late for a French person. So, anyway. if you are listening to this podcast <laughs> in France, you have until the year 2052 to listen to the whole series and uh, sign up for our products. Yeah, that's more than 2022, right? 
2052. Oh, 2052. Yeah, after that, we retire the podcast as well. It's just tough. Yeah, so get in while you can. Anyway, what's next for Tori Hacker? It's a very open question. And the truth is, I'm very focused on pushing further what we're doing. So if you've been looking at the latest blog posts, for example, like we've really been pushing the formatting, for example, we've actually hired an illustrator. We kind of like organizing the content differently. We're also working on creating complete resources. So like not just a single guide, but like a library of guides on a single topic. For example, we have a niche guide, like a, a niche resource rather, coming out where we've already done niche research for like 15 niches for people that are interested in starting websites. So you will be able to like go and through that library and like, yeah, it's not only about starting a site in the niches that we research, but also giving you an idea of like adjacent niches, etc. And essentially like our goal is to help people you know, become independent publishers and whatever we can do to do that, that is better content, but also better visibility to help more people. That is maybe finding things we can add to Atari Hacker Pro to make it like to increase the success rate of people and the amount of success they get. For example, we're already thinking of like real life events and that kind of stuff that would be tied with uh, Atari Hacker Pro, maybe a mastermind one day, that kind of stuff. And also, like, um, we have been ramping it up a little bit lately, but definitely want to push that. Like, as I said, looking into tools and all that stuff is part of our DNA. It's not just because of the effect commissions, which are really good, by the way, but I really like it. And uh, we have a bunch of, like, field tests for a bunch of tools. For example, we're testing deliverability right now between a bunch of email tools. So we send the exact same email to the exact same list. We compare the open rate, we compare the clicks rates and like real real life tests and real field data that can be useful when you actually do that stuff for people. Whether you buy through our affiliate links or not, whatever. The affiliate links fund doing that, but it's yeah, I want to be like even more relevant and even more practical in what we do. So basically right now it's gonna be shown in every aspect of what we do the free content the podcast will probably get a bit of a revamp at some point probably won't be one hour and eight minutes like it is right now the reviews and authority hacker pro so that's it and we're not going to be the guys that are going to release a new product every six months by the way so we do plan on releasing to uh, updates to authority hacker pro for the foreseeable future and actually authority hacker pro and the authority side system will probably be the only products we'll be offering for a while and all the new premium content will come under these two banners. So yeah, that's essentially the half promo, half what is coming up for Atari Hacker answer. All right, guys, any final words of wisdom before we close it up? I just have one thing to say in that whatever you do, if you're just getting started, whichever guru or course or system you, you decide to follow, stick with it. Uh, the number one reason people fail in online marketing, the number one reason why I failed in the first couple of years was not sticking with something long enough to actually learn it properly and get it working. The web is full of people who will happily brag about how much they're making doing such and such a tactic or in such and such a niche. The truth is, you know, you can make money almost any way imaginable. You just have to stick at it. So yeah, that's what I would say. All right. 
Yeah, I would say that one of the things you could learn from this podcast specifically is that there are lots of different business models out there. So we have three very different sites and they are all successful and they have all had their own failures. So I would say it doesn't necessarily matter what you do. You should not be afraid to fail and just kind of keep optimizing your way to success. All right. So my final words of wisdom, I'll actually give them on Sunday. Depending on where you are in the world, that's going to be in the midday, afternoon, or at night. It's at 8 p.m. London. And we have a webinar, live webinar. I'm probably going to be talking for a long time. I'm going to show a lot of screenshots and tactics we use for these sites that we've mentioned and a few others as well. Uh, so it's going to allow us to be a lot more visual. It is pretty intense, but super high value usually. So register on authorityhacker.com slash webinar. And well, we'll see you on Sunday night. Have a good day. Bye. All right, guys. Thanks for listening to the show today. Don't forget to sign up for the webinar this Sunday. You can head on over to authorityhacker.com forward slash webinar. It's free and we'll see you there.